from worlds beyond to write at the gaming table. These are all my fantasy children. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Aaron. Welcome all to all my fantasy children. My name is Aaron Catano Saez. And my name is Jeff Stormer. And this is All My Fantasy Children. It's a character creation, world building, and storytelling podcast where each week Jeff and I tell the greatest story of all time every week. We sure do. Uh, we tell the story of a great man, a hero, oh. who's traveled a long distance. No, you uh, motherfucker! No! No! <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> What's wrong, Aaron? Do we not want to tell the greatest story of all time? Do we not want to tell the timeless spinoff to the most beloved sitcom of all time? Can I at least give you a nice intro? Yes. I don't know what to do with those. By the way, in my head, Mandy <laughs> Patinkin sings the intro to Frasier. For Stone fucking Frasier. How does this? Oh. Oh, here are the blues are calling to salad and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Mercy. How? Oh. Uh, oh, here the blues are calling to salad and scrambled eggs. Uh, oh. All right. <laughs> Stop. No, we're not talking about Fraser right. this week. <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, that's fine. It is the we greatest were... story of all time. Do you mean Air Bud 2 where he plays baseball? Oh, I was going to say when he pulls the sword from the stone and Fraser has to leave Seattle and become the king of England. But I also like <laughs> the moment where he adopted that cute fucking the golden dog that played basketball. Yes, when he and was... then Frazier and Airbud are, you know, Frazier and Airbud are like going on adventures and solving crimes. Yeah, the greatest story ever told. Fuck. Brains in the bark. This show fucking is trash. <laughs> like it is trash. Uh, I'm sorry. I just gave the world the greatest sitcom of all time in brain, Brains in the Bark. The Brains in the Bark is very good. And I'm sorry I mentioned that Frazier becomes the king of England because I just got <laughs> defeated in ideas at the writer's table that we're at. Welcome to the writer's table at All My Fantasy Children Studios. Brains in the Bark may be the qu- the greatest story in the history of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Because it's Frazier. It's not just anyone. It's Frazier and the dog from Air... Question, though. Yes. Does the dog die at the end? No, no, the no. The dog a... outlives Frasier. Oh, for sure. Frasier dies. The dog dies. has to bury Frasier. <laughs> well, here's the here's the twist, Aaron. Oh, I'm so ready for this. Frasier dies. Gotcha. It's tragic. How? Well, he's, you know, struck down solving the one case that they could never solve as a pair. In the final episode of Brains in the Bark, Frasier is struck down. Airbud gets vengeance and then gets a, and then gets a call. And there's a brand new opportunity right around the corner, Aaron. What's that? I don't know. I haven't gotten that far yet. But I know that I know that the spinoff is ironically Airbud has to move to Seattle and take on this new opportunity. <laughs> no, I haven't. I know I know that this is another bad intro. I don't give a fuck. Airbud has to take Frazier grabs Frazier is like in a hospital bed, like holding Airbud's paw, and he's like, Airbud, you have to take my take up the mantle. You have to be Frasier. So, um, <laughs> so, so it's a remake of Frasier, except Frasier is played by Airbud no, and it's no not one a, acknowledges it's it? It's not a remake. It's like a recasting where like, they just keep going with the story, but Frasier is a dog that I'm plays that. basketball. I live for that. So Niles is like, Frasier, like, oh. Sherry, Sherry Frasier? <laughs> <laughs> the dad is like, you're more of a dog than you were in college, Frasier. <laughs> okay. 
once again, welcome. This is All My Fantasy Children. We're a very serious tabletop podcast. We're, you know, we take a tabletop game and we use the word tabletop a lot. And that's what makes us legitimate. Yes. So we have a prompt this week, and I'm very excited about it, because last week we we got to have fun, and we talked about Kornst, and yes, it was the greatest story of all time. But this week, I want to go back into our roots of, like, we made a world. Let's talk some deep lore. Let's do it. The prompt this week is from Discord user, this deer kissed a butternut. Fuck Chad Butternut. Um, Fuck Chad Butternut. The prompt is, the night shift. Now... I had an idea initially when I saw this, because we made a cool prompt submission channel on Discord, by the way. So, y'all, yeah. if you want to spam it, go ahead. Um, my idea is, when we talked about um, the shattering of the Five Jewel Crown and the reflections ep- in the Reflections episode, sure. you mentioned that because the sun is blotted out by the Nocturne, uh, you can listen to all this in the King's Peace. No, not the King's Peace. Uh, the Nocturne, the Reflections episode, all that fun stuff. But Jeff mentioned that there were riots in the streets, there was crime, the cities were in chaos because the sun was blocked by the moon and fantasy was entering this like ice age. You know, it was like freezing and people were struggling. It was hard before Arthur killed Nymphaea Lacus. So I got to thinking like, well, Ink Oculi on Twitter got me thinking like, what was happening in the world at that time? Like, this is a cold era of, like, danger, and people are angry, people are disgruntled, people are, you know, there's ri- riots in the streets, like, people are fighting, there's mm-hmm. violence. So I wanted to think of the night shift as, like, fantasy shifted into night, and, like, what was the world like? And we can make a character during this era that possibly, like, tried to main- maintain peace on a smaller scale, because this is the era, like you say, gods were real once. Like, you mm-hmm. know, there's Arthur, there's Lumina, there's all these fucking godlike beings, but normal people are also there struggling. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should talk about one of them and where they lived. Yeah. Or even just talk about one of these communities and we don't necessarily even like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe the thing is we make the community and just sort of see where that goes. So I have a tool for helping make a community. Great. And it's called Madeline Hale's Table Fables 2, The World Builder's Handbook, available on Amazon. And y'all, if y'all don't have these two books in your tabletop collection, and you think you're a tabletop person, the more I say it, the more it becomes real. Um, you're missing out, because these are seriously amazing resources. So, there is a town generator. Because what I'm thinking is, Jeff. Yeah. So, if the major cities, right, we're back in this era where, like, no one's really intermingling. The cultures don't, like, leave their cities because they don't have to. They're, like, taken care of by these, like, badasses with relics. So, as things are getting shitty and people are getting upset, and I think that people have to kind of leave these main areas and start smaller settlements out of, like, necessity. Sure. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're pushed out by, we'll get there eventually, maybe. Like, if you're in fucking uh, Iron Hill and because Arthur's away all the time, all of a sudden there's, like, a crime boss that comes up, you might have to just, like, leave and start your own settlement with, like, a small community. So I'm thinking that's what one of these are. But I'm thinking it's in—I'm thinking it's outside of, like, Pyrethra Guild or Moon Crescent. Like, if Moon Crescent's cold, right? It's frozen. Yeah. Frozen solid. Everybody's frozen inside. Not every elf lives in the city. It's a region that elves live in. So if the city is frozen, yes, or is it the whole place? And, like, that's the coldest Hmm. region. I think that's the whole—I kind of like that being the whole, uh, like, a regional thing. Okay. So the whole region is frozen solid. 
The whole region is is frozen in Arctic, but I but I think maybe it's just maybe it's the city is frozen like solid like Pompeii. Yes. And then like the whole region is like tundra. I love that because it provides it creates a really good um moment to talk about like what other elves are going through like gazing at a frozen city and now like their small town or this small community that they now have to kind of like if you were out camping when this happened you'd have to be like fuck i guess i got to start a settlement like we have to start again we can't go back there mm-hmm. you know it would be this looming terror in the distance of this swirling ice city with music coming from it and the moon is covering the sun is there already a town outside of moon crescent and that's what we're going to talk about right now yeah yeah let's go with that cool so i need you to get me a d12 for a town there's a town generator town name four big four so roll me a second one Eight. So the title of the town, the name of the town is Elk Orchard. Elk Orchard. I like that. Elk's so, Orchard. Re- roll me 1d4, please, for the size. Okay. I got a two. It is a village. All so right. it's like a small, you know, it's it's little. Um, yeah. It's, it can be, it's probably like 100 people, I would say. Yeah. Now, roll me 1d6 for the town government type. All right. I'm going to roll my insane clown posse dice. Woo woo. Whoa. It's a one. I did not get the. Did not no, get hatchet. No, it's name. okay. In in <laughs> in true Fago fashion, it's democratic. The leader is an official or council of officials elected by the people. So this is like okay. Here, this is the pitch I'm going to give you. You can take it, branch off. You know what I mean. The usual outside of Mooncrest dance contest. No, not like that. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um. <laughs> So Moon Crescent is a city of, like, secrets and noble houses and knights. And, like, there's a lot of fucking drama, right? Like, it it seems like, for me, it's like a city of drama. Like, uh, if I didn't want to get wrapped up in that, I might be like, come on, folks. Like, I'm going to start. Let's start our own community away from all this. Maybe they're off. They're in the mountains. We talked about the mountains of Moon Crescent, like, lightly in the past. But, like, in the mountains, there is a small village called Elk Orchard. Oh, that's very good. And they've started many 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 years ago because they just weren't interested in the idea of we talked about moon crescent in the party of the five episode like a gajillion years ago and it's like you know you're rewarded for what you do and you can be awarded a rank of high elf and like it's a lot of like politics and drama perhaps a lot this group of people just kind of branched out in order to kind of just like you know, live a peaceful life, like typical fantasy village where you just like, we wake up, you know, you chop some wood, you make a fire, you cook, and you kind of live away. They're off the grid. Yeah. You know? So Elk Orchard is off the grid, and it's run by a democracy, which means the people elected a leader. Yes. Which is like, you know, it's just a town. Let's just say, we can just say it's a it's a typical fantasy town where there's like a mayor, you know, there's a leader of the town. It's nothing. They're just there to enjoy nature and enjoy peace away from Moon Crescent secrets bullshit. You know what it sounds like to me? What does it sound like to you? It sounds like this is, I mean, and partial of this is because I'm thinking of, like, I'm thinking of, like, the uh, the term elk. But, like, it reminds me of, like, a group, almost like a group camping thing, right? Okay. Yeah. It reminds me of, like, a group of friends traveled out into the world and just, like... We're like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna live, like, we are going to live comfortably together, and we, and, like, it is a community of friends who elected sort of a leader in that, in that sort of atmosphere, is what, is where I'm, is what I'm getting from this, is that it is, you know, 
I don't think this is a community that was started for a purpose. No, I think this no, was no, no, like no. a group of friends and like extended family, family in the sense of like cousins, nephews, you know, family friends, people that you like. All just kind of said like, let's just pick somewhere that we can all live and be happy together. Almost like a work commune is what I am picturing, like an artist's work commune. Okay, I love this because it's just people who appreciate each other. They appreciate yeah. they appreciate the people that they are spending time with. And like the land is what they they love where they're at. Yeah. And they know how to value it and appreciate it and like it's that kind of town. Yeah. Now real quick, I want you to roll me uh 1d10 for the town center. This is a very good this is a really good table this, this town center. This is a good table. One. I'm digging this. Yeah, there's a lot like there's primary export, primary architecture, but like we don't need those right now. I'm going to like use this. I'm going to use this in my games. Like yeah, this it's, is good. It's real good. I got a 3. Ooh, oh, fuck yes, 3. So the town center Jeff is a huge ancient tree. Great. In the Oh, there's a history of it's, the town table as it's well. It's the elk orchard, right? It yes. Is, it is this giant tree that is that is a mammoth, a mammoth, you know, a mammoth elk of a tree, right? It is the it is this big, big beast of a tree that like that they have just kind of gathered around, and it is just like it is a tree that you can see for miles in any direction because it's just this one big old mean motherfucker of a tree that people are just like that's 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 how you find your way home is you see the tree you just follow you just you know. Follow the tree, and that'll take you home. Question. Yeah. Does the tree provide, in fantasy fashion, like, any kind of magical fruit type thing? Is this a thing where, like, they found this tree? Because I don't know if this is too, like, tuck everlasting, where it's like they find this thing in the woods, and this is, like, this is kind of where they set up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, the secret to their health, longevity, wisdom, or just, like, this thing just provides for their needs. This tree gives them everything they could need. Is it that sort of thing or no? It cannot be. Is it just a fucking so. tree? I think it's just a big tree. Because I like, I kind of liked it. It's just a big, like, a landmark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, even if you're wandering, if you are completely lost in the wood, mm -hmm. like, anywhere along this, like, mountain oh, trail, right? It just pierces through the you canopy. Just see yeah, you just see it. And, like, maybe there's a little magic there in that, like... In that, like, it, you can see it in, like, the dead of night. You can see it when it is, you know, blinding with snow. You just, you see the tree. You, you know see why the you do, Jeff? Why's that? Because the leaves are, like, crystal and reflective. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, you can see it, in, and that's that's why they found it. Okay, can I give you a pitch? Because that's yes. a really, you, you're fucking good at this. So, this group of people, when they were on this camping adventure, this group of friends, they were trying to just, like, adventure out. You know, you, you go and walk around. This is a long time ago in fantasy. This is, like, before Rose's Guide and maps and, like, that kind of thing. It's people were still feeling themselves out and feeling out their city and region. So, this is a group of people going out and, like, exploring and seeing what they could see. And I think at night, they got lost you know, as as oft people do when going out at night without a map. And in the distance was this reflective, beautiful, brilliant thing that was like bouncing the light of the moon in a way that made it look like it was made of just glass and crystal. And the closer you got, you realize that that's just kind of what the leaves of the Tree of Elk Orchard look like. It's this beautiful, crystalline, reflective material, you know, I don't know how, fantasy stuff. But, and that kind of drew them to it, and they're like, this is actually, it's right by a river, you know, they have access to food and water, and it was just a great place for them to set up. But it kind of, like, appeared to them at night and was like, come to me, and like, you know, I'll give you safety. 
it guided them home. It was a thing that guided them home when they when they could not find it, and it guided them not just not just to a home, but to their home. Now, can you roll me one d hundred for town notabilities and peculiar peculiarities? That's a twenty three. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Twenty three to twenty four cave system. Beneath the town is an extensive cave system that has been put to use for religious purposes. The caves are supposedly entirely mapped. Supposedly. 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 So there's caves under there, and it says, you know, they use them for religious purposes, but we can twist that in however way we want, because we rarely yeah. go down that road in this show. Um, hmm, what, do we, what do they use them for? What if they just live in the caves? Oh, fuck, Yes. Okay, so they live underground. The people of this town of Elk Orchard live uh, in a cave. Okay, can I, can I, this is, this is a pitch I have. Yeah. The tree of Elk Orchard is so large and has been around since the dawn of time. And its roots have grown, its roofs have carved into the earth, and then those roofs have died, receded, whatever. And so it's pretty much under the tree is a, is a cavern, is a tunnel system in caves that have kind of been carved by the great roots of the tree over time. Yeah. And there's, like, an underwater spring. So they live underground in these caves. Yeah. How did they find the caves? I think that'll... Because I'm trying to kickstart, like, the story that we're getting to. You know what I mean? So here's my pitch for how they found the caves. Okay. I mean, have we kind of established, like, a time like a t- like a time for them finding this village relative to the, the, the night shift? We have not decided that yet. Because I kind of feel like... If we wanted to go with just saying, like, that this is a group of people who, like, found this tree as things were starting to shift. Oh, like a refuge. Like, they, yeah. it was out of necessity where it's like, you know, they were desperate. The cold, the winds were fucking biting at them. They were yep. freezing to death. And all of a sudden this tree appeared and they're like, we can take shelter from the snow under that. It looks like yeah. a big umbrella. Oh, shit. So this is a story of, like, a desperate, desperate, like you know, flee from yeah. the fucking terrifying shifting winds. Of, like, finding family and finding safety in inhospitable conditions. Okay. Because that gives me a really good image of, like, imagine you're in Moon Crescent, right? And you live kind of like, you li- you don't live in the town center. You know, you kind of live in, like, you know, in the Philly suburb of Philadelphia type deal. Yeah. You hear that music start playing. You literally see the moon pulled across. It's like fucking noon. Sun is in the sky. The moon rips across the sky and sits right in front of the sun. And, like, the music is blasting. It's all you can hear all fucking day. It's like speaker system at a theme park times 10. The waters of the ocean have stopped moving. And all of a sudden, these icy winds, like, it's the summertime, and, like, flecks of snow are just appearing on your face. You're yeah. like, we got to get the fuck away from this. Because Nymphalakas is, like, in this tower by the ocean, and you know where the music's coming from. You're like, we got to get as far away as we can. Like, there would be a mad, like, dash out of the city, out of panic. Mm-hmm. And these people just were lucky enough to make it somewhere. Yeah. So they find this tree in the woods, and what, they just stumble upon a cave system? Or is there, like, I don't know, like, what is the, is there an avalanche, and they run from it, and they take shelter in a cave, and that's when they realize that, like, there's a subterranean world down here under this tree. I, I, I like that. I like, well, I like that, yeah. I think it's, I think it's just that they're running from the weather, and they find themselves underneath this, this giant, they find, they find a series of, like, 
shallow caves that lead to much deeper caves, and it's all kind of underneath this massive tree. Okay, so now we have Elk Orchard established as this community of people in a cave system under a tree, under a great tree, when the surface world is like frozen, uninhabit- uninhabitable tundra. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's very cold and dangerous. Now what? Hmm. You know, they do just live a life. Like how, how do you make it work? You know, how, what is the story here is kind of what I'm getting at. Like, is this the story of how they, you know, I don't want to tell the story of like how they adapted to the cold or is it people who like, did people, did they venture out and like one person push back into Moon Crescent to see if they could help? I, th- I think the story that I want to tell, the thing that I'm most interested in, and, and feel free to move in a different direction, is not how they adapted to the cold. Yeah. But, like, how th- how life was after sort of that adaptation happened. Which is to say, like, I, I, I think for me it is important that, that this community find, like, a level of comfort and sort oh, of... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That is not the story we're telling here. I want to picture... Right, and I want to kind of picture... Like, I want to kind of learn in this episode what that looks like. This town thrives, this town thrives here in in the caves underneath this giant tree. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to get a picture of, like, what that thriving looks like. Okay. That's, for me, interesting. Okay, so how do you want to go about doing that? You know what I mean? Well, you mentioned their, I want to know what their chief export, like, I want to oh, know, like, just details smart. about, like, that kind of, like, I want to know. I want to I want to live a day in the life in Elk Orchard. I think is okay. where I want to go. All right, it's like a very small story is what I is what I want, but that's kind of the story that I want to explore. It's, it's a story like, of how a town lived during like the snow apocalypse. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So Romy one d twelve for their primary export. So they were like trading. Yeah, they're harvesting goods. They are trading. They this town like there's a period of real unrest and turmoil. That, like, settles and they find a rhythm that works for them. And okay. that's kind of where I want to explore. Like, awesome. I just kind of want to poke and prod at Elk's Orchard and just learn more about this place. Awesome. I got a, I got a six. Okay, so their primary export is produce, which is Any interesting. Corn? It's, it's, it, that, uh, that is, no, it is not. I'm seeing the table and there's, there's, I'm kidding. No, there's no corn <laughs> result, but it, it cannot be corn. <laughs> okay, fair. So let's talk about this, this though. This is, this is where, not it's challenge. This is like the fun challenge comes in where there's a town, they live underground. Yes. Yeah. Above ground. Do we want to say that there's something special about the area that they're in where like, because I, I hate stories about, you know, that are a little too close to, like, human history, where, like, it got real cold and it really sucked for, like, a long time. It's like, because, no, because humans persevered. We made it fucking work when it was super cold. Mm -hmm. So perhaps this area, like, the mountains of Moon Crescent, right? We've we've established in the past that there are plants that thrive at night, right? Yeah. So what if, because the moon is in the sky, plants are working it out? You know what I mean? Like, produce is fucking killing it. So, like, if you were to go above ground from Elk Orchard, there would be a plethora of these really strong, thriving crops that you could really, like, harvest because the world had changed. Like, this region had changed. It would be as if, like, you know, I grow corn in New Jersey. All of a sudden, like, the sun is hotter and, like, there's more sunlight in the day. Perhaps my corn would thrive. 
Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking that's kind of the idea here where like these people realize that like, yes, there are crops in Moon Crescent that are, you know, more explosive and more, they, they grow more at night. And so this is a time of perpetual night. The sun never comes out. Yeah, I like that. So like they're they're harvesting night crops. Yeah, my pitch is that it's night crops and it's also like underground. Like there's also maybe it's not underground crops. Maybe it is. Maybe it is outdoor crops because they have to venture out, and that's yeah. where that's where the magic of the tree becomes evident. Mm, what I okay. here's what, what I think it is, and 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 follow me on this. Yes, I think it is that like yeah. They are, they are, they, they, they find these crops that are sort of magically thriving in this environment, right? Yeah. And they find these crops, but they're not growing underground. Because if they were growing underground, then they would simply never leave, never leave their caves. Yes. And therefore the magic of the tree, the magic of this tree that you will always see has no meaning. Yes. So I like the idea that they are, they are not necessarily farming these crops, they are, like, going out and finding bushels and plants of them and picking them off of trees and, like, bringing them back and, like, collecting them and preserving them and saving them and, like, holding on to them that way. And this is also partially how they come to, like, learn the region that they are in and sort of learn sort of that explore the space above ground as exploratory parties are also plunging further into into the underground cave system. Yes, because the story I don't want to tell is the one where, like, and they live happily ever after underground. It's like, no, like, if this is uh, a world of, like, people who care about other people, they would be like, this is temporary. You know, we yeah. got to get back. Like, there's a lot of people that they left behind. And, like, they just give a shit about seeing a frozen city. And they're like, oh, my God, all my friends are there. You know, like, I would want to go back and be like, I have to do my part and, like, help people. So I think this is like, we have to survive. We'll get to a point where like, not all of us are going to leave, but some of us have to go back. You know, yeah. is that the kind of idea where like, this elk orchard is established, but there are people who are like, we have to connect with the rest of the world. There have to be other people out there affected by this. And like, we, we can at least find them and give them a safe place to stay while the Nocturne's fucking, you know, ramming out there, fucking destroying everything. Okay. You know, because they have a they have a shelter. Yeah, is that kind of the direction, or do I am I just going? Am I going way off the rails? No, here? I, I I'm fine. I, I'm fine going that direction. I think that I think that's interesting to kind of explore. If they have, if we had said that they've like built this space, then I do like the idea that they are coming out to people and being like, "Hey, we have like a safe place to sort of ride out this storm." Pun yeah. intended. Because I'm seeing like you know, if they find this cave system, they're like, "Wow, we can survive here." On the lunar plants that Moon Crescent has, you know, other people could too. There has to be, like, other people out there in this re It's a region. It's like a fucking yeah. continent, you know? Um, and so, like, is there a signal fire always burning during the day above the ground? And, like, is that part of it where it's like, you know, are, are there signs and made of, like, carved into trees that are, like, you know, follow the winding river and you'll find a cave system, like, there's shelter here? Because the interesting thing about this world that we've made, where it's... You, we, we've we said it's optimistic yeah. is if this was an era where gods were real once and you know arthur and lumina they take care of you and stuff like that that means people kind of have to learn to take care of themselves in the past and i think yeah. this is the big catalyst for that where people were pushed to such extremes that they're like we can't rely on these people anymore we have to look out for each other 
because obviously we just got fucked royally. You know, I get that. I get that Nymphaea Lakis was trying to help, but like, y'all, it's fucking cold. We have to start taking care of ourselves and each other. So this is, I think, where this whole time period, the night shift, is something where people started providing for each other and being like, y'all, I haven't gotten a lunar letter because Nefeolakis was sending the elves letters every day of like, here's what you need to do to have a better day and take care of all the things in your, you know, they would be like babies, you know, in this cave being like, what do we do? And so they kind of have to like, this small community is just the one we're talking about right now. I'm sure this happened all over the fucking place, but they'd have to be like, we need to do this ourselves. We kind of need to learn how to like start a city because it's never been done before. That's what I like most about this concept of like, they find this tree and they're like, I guess we got to do, we can hide under these, in these caves. What are we going to do for food? Oh, I, I know that, um, it's like them, like we are right now, just kind of making it up on the seat of their, by the seat of their pants, like how to survive when you have nothing. I like that this community uh, becomes this uh, cultural transition point between sort of the harsh, the harshness of like the the shattered five, the shattering of the five jewel and crown, and sort of the optimistic age that most of our stories take place in. Is it is just a community of people saying like, look, things are really really hard right now. Yeah. Let's build a com- let us build a community that is explicitly about like making sure that we are all taken care of and safe and that we all have what we need. Because you've mentioned in the past that like the stories of the history of our world fantasy involve like an era that is done and we're never going to go back there. We're moving forward and we're growing. So I always think about that with this five jeweled crown thing of we have this world where the cultures aren't really like blending. People aren't meeting other people because they're, you're just kind of spoiled and you live in this city where there's this god and you get godlike character, you know, with these magic powers that kind of keeps you safe. And so you never really got to do anything. You kind of just like party all fucking, you know what I mean? Yeah. Until this happened, because obviously nothing was as perfect as it seemed, especially for the elves. And so someone was like, you know, I'm going to try to fucking make everything equal. Nymphaea Lake is kind of choked. And now the people kind of have to deal with it. Gods were real once. They're not anymore. And we can never go back there. You know, and we have to figure out what this is. So now what? Now we have this the safe haven of Elk Orchard, right? Mm-hmm. And the Nocturne is playing, and it's cold, and they have this community of, are are they finding people? I think I think so. I think they are finding, I think that, I, I think that they are absolutely finding people, and I had said this was like a clubhouse. Like, okay, there's a transition here that is important, that yeah. like makes sense to me. Okay. This started out as a clubhouse, yeah, pretty much. This was like a bunch of this was a bunch of friends. You had said like if you had gone camping, yeah. this was essentially like an extended camping trip. Yes. This was like a group of friends. This would be like if you and me and like five of our friends drove off into the woods for a month and we're like let's just rent a cabin or like let's build a cabin in the woods and we'll then have the fun. world ended while we and were then driving the world ends <laughs> while we were driving out to the campsite the world ends and so like i think this is the transition point where that community of friends becomes a community mm. they go out and they find people who are like trying to make it on their own and struggling and they're like hey we have a space you don't have to come if you would rather live on your own. Like, this is not, they are not rounding people up and forcing them. This is a, hey, 
if you want, we have space for you. We yeah. have found these underground caves. It is out of the snow. It is calm. It is quiet. We just want you to know if you need things, we have vegetables, we have produce. Like, they, there are people going around saying, like, look, we have stuff. It's ju- it's up to you. It is your choice. But we have stuff. If you want to trade with us, we can have somebody come out here in a week. And, you know, the people that they're talking to are like, well, how are you? If It's it's a blizzard all the time. How are you going to get home? And they're like, because the tree's there. I'll just follow the tree. Yeah. If you want to trade with us, come trade with us. If you want to live with us, come live with us. But, like, fuck, it is miserable out here. So, like, let's at least do something and form some kind of connection right now because it is so cold out. Yeah, it's dangerous. Like, if if... God forbid. So this is a scenario that, by the way, hey, listeners, this is a very interesting but cool episode where we're kind of like actually world building for the first time in a while. So I'm thinking of like, say Moon Crescent freezes, right? And Nymphaea yeah. is just up in this tower fucking playing this song and like, the it's just dark. It's dark all the time, Jeff. That's terrifying. A lot of people would be like, I have to go back to the city. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, they, they venture back to this place. Like what that level and like, are there people still who are there people who were not in Moon Crescent who go to Moon Crescent after it's frozen? Oh, I think so. I, I, I think so. Yeah. Like that level of fear and like desperation is something that I think really kind of sets in motion this story that we have right now of like there there is a need for this is kind of what i'm getting at there yeah. is a need for people to have a place where they can go because the city would become dangerous the city is one the coldest fucking place on earth it's like yep. the epicenter of ice and people are coming back and like trying to gather things while they can and like you know they're going back for they're like no but i left i left my survival kit in my house i have to go back and like that level of fear and desperation it's important that there are beacons of light cuz this would be the perfect example of in our world where beacons of light start existing because you yeah. can't go to the main cities all the time you know the main yeah. cities would become like dangerous zones they would become, they wouldn't become, like, safe, except fucking Geode, of course, because Geode is always in our world, like, that place you can always go to. But even then, like, God only knows what Geode becomes in this. Oh, yeah. It's it's a neat note that I think is worth making that during the night shift, it's like people were trying to go back to Moon Crescent and, like, make sense of this and get their, get their valuables, get their life back, and then leave again. But it's like, you sh- really shouldn't fucking do that. Oh, uh, real quick, um, I have a question for you. Yeah. And this may be a thing that we established already, but, like, I do I do have a question, a possible world-building question about another thing okay. uh, that, that I think might be interesting to mention here. Um, we talked about something that I think is of note that I think might actually apply here, and this actually, again, hi, listeners, this is sort of... This is sort of world building on a macro scale, which is a little different than what we normally do. But there's a detail that I think um, actually fits in here really well. I'm ready. But I don't remember if we've previously talked about it. Okay. Have we talked about when Geode made the massive gates that shut off their society from the world and no. would, like, close them off forever? So we mentioned that the... That we mentioned that they're there and that they close them when magic dies. Yes, but that could be the second that could be the second event like this is can you just be what they do you know what, what I, mean? I mean like like we talked about them clo- like them you know closing those gates when magic dies we never talked about why those gates were there to begin with mm. I mean, which which gives sort of which gives sort of a harsh painful painful aspect to what geode is going through at this moment where they're like look 
we're safe. We're in a mountain. If we just build these gates, no one will ever get through and we just close off ourselves forever. Mm. Like that's like a harsh, painful thing. But like if that if the world is in chaos, like the idea that they have built this thing, that they build this thing and then they never use it for like a thousand years because it's an object of shame and of like painful. Like this was our lowest point when we were going Mm. to like close off our close off ourselves from the world. Like, I, like, that feels like a good moment to say, like, yes, they built this thing and then said, may we never have to use it. And it's also very interesting in the fact that, like, keep in mind, there are, f- there are, f- besides the machine god and Geode, there are four other beings of, like, godlike, horrifying power that at any time could be, like, could fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they could fight. Maybe the fact that the machine god, like, you know, in their wisdom was like, you know, I... I don't want any of them, of those four, coming in here. You know, maybe that's when the machine god was like, I kind of just have to, like, vanish. Yeah. Because this is another era of, like, gods were real once, where it's like, the machine god used to be this, like, fucking presence in Geode. You know, used to be, like, a person who was like, you know, I'm going to help you build this. I'm going to, here's robots. I made these. How cool are these? Without speaking, you know. But this is maybe the moment where they're like, I kind of have to just become like a hidden hand. I have yeah. to lock this away. There, Those people out there are fucking dangerous. Like, Nefeolagus causes the end of the fucking world, man. That's, that's, and that's the thing. Well, and then, and then also consider from a cultural standpoint what happens when the machine god disappears. Yeah. It's like, well, now we're on our own. Now now we have nothing. If hell is, hell is freezing over outside, we should probably, like, close off the ranks and just try to make do with what we've got. Yes. So, like, it creates this moment this moment in geo that like is very interesting anyway back to elk orchard i mean it's important to talk about this kind of stuff oh, yeah no, this no, is, i think th- this is a good moment to like and we're talking about the night shift as like a, a a a global cataclysmic event it's important to kind of talk about what is happening in different societies and places as that is unfolding yeah because the important detail about this whole event is that it shapes the rest of every episode we've made where like this age of heroes and power rangers you know solving all your problems they're done because somebody fucked up hurt a ton of people trying to do their best she was trying to do her best but sometimes that doesn't fucking matter i like until you said she was trying to do her best i i realized that that could apply to at least two different people (laughs) true i mean it's a lot it was a series of very it was a series of very human mistakes that yeah. led to a global catastrophe and now a bunch of people are trying to trying their best to scrape by in this very painful moment in history and then amidst it all there is just one tiny community of people living in a series of caves underneath the earth saying well fuck like we're not going to we're not going to make ourselves into like a global superpower of a city. We're not going to do that. Yeah, you we saw what happened. We're just going to be a bunch of friends staying warm together. Yes. It's sort of like the the the, the difference between like, you know, there's dust swept in Purethergill, which is like a small farming community. There's Emerald Ivy, which is like a cute arts and crafts town. Those are distinctly different from Purethergill in truth, like for a reason. Like, perhaps they started to be like, oh, no, I'm not one of those cities. Like, we're not going to be that. Like, these main cities have fucking tons of drama in them all the time. You know what I mean? Like, imagine living in Iron Hill, right? You're a fucking dog person, and you work—you're a server in a restaurant, and you're King Arthur— 
You're you're a dog person in a restaurant. You're a dog person who runs a tiny barber shop that is across the street. <laughs> this never made it to an episode. Well, it's making it to an episode now. Be- Holy li- shit! Listeners, listen. It is time that we reveal to you the great secret of all my fantasy children. Wasn't it? Was there it Barney Barkus that we recorded that vanished? Wait, was I this, don't know where it went. This was the op- This was the other Barney Bargast. It was. Uh, yes. We did Barney Bargast episode, and then we talked for about twenty minutes about what if we had gone in the direction of a dog person. <laughs> well, because because I had misread the prompt as. Barney, I think I said it was Barney Barber. Yes, and then we talked about like, but what if they were just a bargist and like a big fucking dog? Yeah, and so, so I want, so I just, uh, listeners, understand that there is a character that you will never experience, and I'm gonna tell you their story right now in in under two minutes. Time me starting now. Barney Barber is a dog person who runs a barber shop called Hair of the Dog across the street from Big Jeremy and the Billy Goat Scruff. They hate each other they fucking can't stand each other barney barber is like his biggest fucking rival and they hate they they have two distinctly different ways of running their barber shop barney barber does not talk to you at all everything is very stark everything is wood paneled you come in it is silent he cuts your hair he takes your money and he kicks you out the door where did you did you used to get your hair cut in mount holly Yes. Did you go to the sportsman's barbershop? Is <laughs> this dad, why? Is this based my, on the sportsman? My dad. dad <laughs> I knew it. Every three weeks. So I want everyone to know that, hey, hey, listeners, welcome to my fans' children. This is how we roll. In, in Mount Holly, literally like next to each other on the main street, there's <laughs> Don's barbershop where I used to get my hair cut, where it's full of like historic memorabilia and like, hey, welcome. Let's talk. Oh, you're getting so big. Oh, let me shake your dad's hand, talk to you about school. And then there's the sportsman's barbershop. And like every kid went to one or the other, never both. <laughs> and the sportsman barbershop was like, hello, I would like a number one. Sit the fuck down. Don't you dare look me in the eyes or ask me any questions. I'm going to shave your head. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Here's the thing. I loved Don's barbershop. Oh. I loved. I loved it. And then my dad was like, no, we're going to sportsman. Oh, like, <laughs> that's a bummer. Oh. So this, oh, is, yeah. this is what this is all based on. <laughs> But anyway, anyway, imagine you're running a barber. Anyway, I just wanted to say, imagine you're a dog person running a barber shop in Iron Hill. Okay, so imagine that like you have Arthur, right? He's the king of the beast folk. Why? You have literally no idea. You just know he's real charming and real fucking strong, right? Like, oh, he he goes out and kills monsters and shit and keeps everybody safe. All of a sudden. This motherfucker is like, oh, yeah, no, there's, like, people like me. There's four other ones. They're also real strong. One of them just caused the end of the fucking world. Um, I, I might have to go deal with that. You'd be like, what the fuck is happening? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not happy about this. You know, this is a scary era. This is some shit. And so, like, there are this, – this example of what we're giving of this um, Elks or Elk Orchard is just a snapshot of, like, what people all over the world would kind of have to deal with where it's like, I can't trust you anymore. Oh, yeah. I can't I, trust Arthur. And it turned into a cultural shift of, like, of like communities just being places where people felt safe with each other. Yes. And it became this very, like – it creates this culture that is very prevalent in the other stories that we've told where people are just fundamentally looking out for one another and fundamentally like communally 
interested, you know, interested in one in helping one another. Yes. All of that comes from this this painful moment, this global cataclysm, where tiny communities like Elk Orchard just like gather and they start reaching out to each other and being like, "Let's help each other. Let's make. Let's be friends." And it doesn't matter if you are different than me. All that matters is that we are helping each other out. Like that's the only thing. Like because right now. It's we help each other out or we die. Yeah. I, I read an article recently. Okay. Uh, that actually illustrates this very well. That like points out that this is like a real, like, I know you had said you don't want to, you didn't want to go super real world about it, but I'm going to make this real world for a second because I this is a, an, a fascinating article that is explicitly what we were talking about. I read an article recently called like the real science of post-apocalypse situations. God damn. It's some light reading. Well, it's fa- and it's fascinating because it basically says if you think about every piece of post-apocalyptic media, what it says is that when things go down, everyone turns on each other. You know, your friends and your neighbors all reveal their true selves and the real monster is 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 humanity, etc., etc., etc. The article then looked at like actual actual like recorded accounts, you know, macro scale big picture stuff about what happens in like massive foundation-destroying disasters. And what they found was that literally the opposite happens. Mm. Was that because of the fact that the people that you are physically closest to are often your friends and your family, and those are the first people that you are, like, contacting and getting a hold of and physically gathering into one place, communities literally form in disaster situations. I love that. And they become strengthened because you are literally... The first thing that you do is go, I got to talk, I got to get a hold of my family. I have to get a hold of my friends, the people that I trust the most. So what happens is the opposite. I literally community strengthens in sort of disaster situations. I love so this. So what we are describing is the world goes dark. The world freezes over. And exactly that. People then go, well, shit, like all that matters is that us this this group of friends that were just camping together we're a community now it's time that we we pick whoever we think is the best fit to lead it's you know it's Mary Ellen like she's the best she's the best candidate to lead this organ to lead our family right like she yeah. everybody knows that she's got her shit together yes so like we pick her and we say okay you are lead like we all we all agree we all raise our hands we do the vote you're in charge and she says all right cool we need food, we need water, we need, you know, we need to make sure that we're safe. But also, fuck, there's people out, like, I know there's people out there that are freezing to death. We gotta find them and just tell them, like, if they need a space, we have it. We have all of these caves, and there's only, like, four, there's only, like, so many of us, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So, like, they go out and they find these people, and, like, they make this little community, and it's just people going, like, I just want to help. I just want to help you because you because you are in a position of of struggling, and it's... An optimistic, beautiful moment amongst tragedy and death and pain. I have a question for you. Yes. So we talk about Moon Crescent a lot with the royal houses and the knights and the secrets. What happens to them? Do they they obviously still exist in modern Moon Crescent? But there's obviously like that would be like the old way of doing things that people still hold on to because people suck. But like yeah. is there there's obviously a cultural movement where like the 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 royal houses and like house crystal and all that bullshit have like no actual juice right because yeah. like because we talk about um uh we talk about it in what's that fucking character's name Pascal Fathoms where Pascal Fathoms right. is like a little shit 
who like you know belongs to a royal family about like they're archaeologists but like he kind of is like a trust fund baby and like what is that like what i kind of like i just wanted to check in with you like what do you think about post nocturne post the night shift hmm. what happens to that kind of culture because we could go you know the idealistic way of just like it just goes away in fantasy there's no more you know shitty financial inequality and stuff like that but like i'm kind of trying to think of like if we're really going to break this down if people start looking out for each other more you know yeah. and the and we know that the business of secrets you know the the information game in moon crescents is still prevalent right. post night shift why is it just like mm. people still suck you know, is it mm. not everyone is perfect in this world? In the gods were real once, you know, once that once that comes into effect and there's no more crown, do some people go like, well, I can take advantage of this? You know, is that kind of the idea? Let me think about this for a second. Yeah. Because I'm not trying to make a one-to-one comparison to our world. No, it's no, just no. just established things that we've kind of put in motion of like... Yeah, and I, I have a thought. Okay, because we said the, the things I'll say is we said that in Moon Crescent, information is power. Secrets yep. are power. Is it because people start taking these secrets of like, you know, d- does House Crystalline and House, you know, Roselia try to rebrand post-Night Shift and everyone's like, oh, no, 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 no. I remembered what you did in the olden days. And I will hold that against you. Is it that kind of thing or no? I think where it comes from, I think that, I think what happens post night shift, post nocturne, post all of this is that culture stays around, Mm -hmm. but it limits itself to kind of like among the sort of nobility Ah, and the upper class. And it becomes because, because what happens, let's talk about the upper class and like the houses of Moon Crescent. I really like what that what you already said is really fantastic because it makes it kind of like how me as an American, I watch um what's that show called? Downton Abbey, where I'm like, who fucking yeah. cares? Where like no one cares anymore, but it's that kind of this inner circle of like douchebaggery and like drama that like doesn't actually have a cultural impact on anyone anymore. Cause what happens among these houses, here's my pitch. Okay. Is that like the world at large, communities are forming and sharing resources and helping people and like talking to one another and forming these connections and most importantly sharing resources right like we had said you know i i said earlier when i was giving that sort of monologue about finding someone else and saying hey if you want to come live with us but if not we can at least trade because we have these plants Mm -hmm. people are happy to sort of give up sort of give give things and trade and you know you have stuff that we need we have stuff that you need let's make let's let's work together and we'll barter things out And people are sort of freeing, like, a little bit of those resources are being spread around. Mm -hmm. In Moon Crescent, among these sort of royal houses, the opposite kind of happens. People go, okay, well, we don't have, like, we have no ability to make things anymore. The city is frozen solid. Like, our, our ability to create and to gather and to harvest, all of these things are done. All we have left is what is in our warehouses or what is in our pantries, what is in this. We lock all of that down. No one can know what we have because if they know what we have, they're going to come looking for it. Yeah. That turns into spying on the other houses to see what they have because they're all lying about what they have. Everyone knows that they're lying about what they have and what they're willing to share. Yes. So everyone is spying on each other. So there are detectives and spies. That becomes a larger thing of like, well, I'm – well – 
if I if I am if I am keeping this this and this secret, you're going to find those secrets, which means you're not going to find secret that I I am just keeping this decanter of endless water secret, which I actually want to keep secret. So that becomes hiding other things and just becomes a lot of subterfuge and misdirection and intelligence agencies going to battle, which turns into this cultural thing of like information of like secrets and information and all this stuff but it also introduces this cultural thing of like and it also which which we've kind of alluded to with characters like um oh fuck swiftwind <laughs> where where sort of people are rebelling against that by spreading that information by by delivering that information from person to person where the house is the the ruling structure of moon crescent is saying okay we're keeping all of this secret and then people, you know, ordinary people, people who are not in the nobility class are saying, well, I'm going to go find out your secrets and I'm going to give them to give them to, you know, spread them amongst the people because you because you cannot hide those things like you like you have a, a social responsibility to help other people. So those houses are being undermined by heroic efforts in sort of the optimistic heroic age. I love this. I had initial idea of like, you know. Because you mentioned that, like, they hire each other to, like, find out about, like, you know, the Goblet of Infinite Water type thing. Is it one – could it be or is this a branch that we don't want to go down where it's, like, one house turns on the others and is, like, we have the ability to provide for all these people. The fuck are you doing? Is that where a lot of this infighting between royal houses happens where it's, like – you know, I know that you have the sword of, like, you know, heat generation in your vault – you know, we could be using this to do some good. And, you know, House Crystalline is like, fuck you. I don't know what you're talking about, House Rosalia. And so House Rosalia is like, I need you to hire knights to go, what, steal it, free it up. Like, is it that kind of thing where these houses, the shift of being like a selfish rich prick is getting dissolved because people are that? Because in a time where, like, you know, people have everything, is it other houses go to war with each other as well to, like, kind of, you know distribute goods or that's not the road we're going down i think that can be an element of it i think there can definitely be royal houses like wars like you know like houses go to battle with each other different houses have different motivations i'm certain that there are some that are like no we should be investing in the common good and we should be helping our people and others are like no fuck you i got mine okay because i that was kind of the thing that i wanted to clarify is that like not all the houses are definitely could possibly be like, let's just hire detectives for our secrets. It's like, I think it's more interesting if the entire culture of Moon Crescent shifts, including this odd royal class that we've created that has acquired this lifestyle for God knows what reason, you know, but now it's kind of deteriorating into something different. Yeah. I like this. And then what it turns into, I do not know yet. Nope, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll figure, figure it out in another episode. I think that I feel like we've got a good picture of it. Yes. Holy shit. This has been a cool episode. Yep. The the creation of a town led to like, let's talk about how the culture of Moon Crescent kind of we've never actually talked about this in an episode. So I think it's really nope. cool. I think it's interesting. Ah, oh, thank you so much for uh Doe I Doe, this deer kissed a butternut on Discord. For your prompt. It's a good prompt. Oh, God. It was a good prompt. We took it in some interesting directions. I feel pretty good about it. I feel really good about this. Um, if you'd like to submit a prompt of your own for use in a future episode, there are a gajillion ways to do it, and it's so easy and cool. You sure can. You can tweet at us at AMFC underscore podcast using the hashtag fantasy children. You can post them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash all my fantasy children. 
You can email them to us at allmyfantasychildren at gmail.com. You can join our Discord community at bit.ly slash amfcdiscord and post them in the prompt submission channel. Uh, and you can also go to allmyfantasychildren.com and send them to us there. Yeah, while you're there, make sure to check out our cool... God, I went through the fucking wiki that there's a link on our website went through the wiki yesterday there is some amazing shit going on and if you ever need like a refresher of what are we talking about definitely click through that because some incredible people have been making some incredible articles about this lore that we've been making people people have been real like the fan created wiki is an incredible thing that i am in awe of every time i go look at it it is every time i go look at it there's just more like more stuff in it and i'm just blown away you need to go check this out immediately. It's just cool. And if you want to contribute, please feel free. You know, just all we made a wiki work channel in the Discord too if you want to come chat about it. Anywho, while you're on the internet, why don't you go check out Jeff's other show? Uh yeah, all my fan all my fantasy children is a character <laughs> creation, storytelling, and world building podcast hosted by Jeff Storm and Eric Hanasias. That's true. But that's not my other podcast, because that's this podcast. <laughs> Party of One is an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing experiences. Every week, I sit down with a friend, we play a two-player game, we share some laughs, maybe a few tears, and we have a really good time. New episodes drop every Tuesday at partyofonepodcast.com. Hell yeah. All My Fantasy Children is part of the One Shot Podcast Network, and y'all, I'm not even going to try this week to have a cool sales pitch on why you should be listening to the other shows in the network, because that's not my strong suit. So the One Shot Podcast Network is a collection of podcasts, streams, and related content about making tabletop more accessible, more fun, more engaging for everyone involved. If you enjoy our show, check out Session Zero, one of the newest shows on the pod on the network. Uh, Session Zero is a discussion podcast that seeks to explore the psychology of role playing. Uh, each episode will feature a new aspect of the experience of role playing viewed through the lens of psychology by clinical psychologist Porter Green and industrial organizational psychologist Steve Discount. They're doing the thinking, and you get to do the listening. Boom! Verbal hug this week. Uh, verbal hug this week. Look out, for, you know, look out for each other. Yeah. I think I, I, it's something we come back to a lot, but like, we're look out for each other, take care of each other, help each other. You have gifts that, you have gifts that people in your life need. Other people have gifts that you can, that you need. Work together and, and take advantage of those gifts and share them because I think that's how we get through when things are very, very bad. Yeah. I think that's what that's how we all get through is we all get through together. And it's by saying, hey, here's how I can help. Here's how I can help and finding someone else that can say, hey, I can I can offer what you need and you can offer what I need and working together. Not not because you want something, but out of a spirit of we're all going we're all going through this together. I have a tiny one. Go for it. Engage. If you engage with creators, if that's something you enjoy doing, let them know that you like the things they make. With more than just a like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it's it's hard out there. It's a, it's tough out there knowing that you're kind of on the right track and making things that people love and why you, they love it. So why not tell someone? It's a good feeling when someone's yeah. like, I liked this episode because X, Y, and Z. Like I just listened to Jeff's um, The Kittens with Lasers. Laser Kittens. Uh, laser Kittens. I like learning about like a new game that I've never heard of before. Like, that's something I enjoy about Party of One, where I'm like, what is that game? I'm going to listen to that. You know, I, I that's what I like about it. And so, like, see how easy it is? It's just yeah. little things like that. It's tremendously important for people who make shows. Yeah. And it carries a lot further than you'd think. Like, I can personally say, 
Um, I I keep a a folder. I keep a folder in my on my computer of just screenshots of like the nice things people say about Party of One or all my fantasy children or Mission Accomplished or any of the things that I work on. That when I'm in a really bad place, like I can just open up a folder and just read them and just affirm like, oh, okay, yeah. The stuff I'm doing has value and is important and people res and it resonates with people. I'm not just spinning my wheels and wasting yes. time. So like, it, you know, you, even if it's just saying, Hey, I really like this because I like this because why, you know, I like your show because X there's going to, that there will come a time where that will really prove valuable and will, you know, it fe- it's a small gesture that will, that carries a lot of weight when, when it's really needed most. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Is that it? Is that all we talk about? I think that's it. I think it was a good episode. That was a good one. I think it's a really good episode. Yeah, it's a cool one. All right. Well, until next time, good, good night, night and good game. game.